Uh, and today we're starting a journey as we head towards Easter, okay? And, uh, and so we told you this year is the year in the Word, right, as a church. And, and so we are going to not go through the whole book of Luke, but we're going through the last three chapters of the book of Luke over the next three weeks leading to Easter. And then the thing is, the guy that wrote Luke, his name is Luke. And, uh, and so Luke also wrote the book of Acts, okay? And so we're actually going to go right into the next letter he wrote. And, uh, and so we're going to learn about the story of the first church and what God did and the Holy Spirit showed up and all sorts of stuff. And that's going to lead us all in through the summer um, as we keep digging into God's Word this year. So you guys ready to be in Luke? Yeah. All right. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. Uh, it's called one of the four Gospels because it's the good news of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. And, um, and we'll get to just a part of it, okay? I'm not going to read the whole chapter today, um, but you guys should have on your seats when you came in uh, a series guide for this series. Now, we want to give you tools so you can get into the Bible on your own throughout the week and do your own devotional time and, and that whole SOAP method, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer, uh, devotional method is still on that uh, series guide, and there's a new reading plan on there and, uh, and then some new memory verses. Woohoo! All right, we want you to memorize some scripture as you uh, go through this. And so next week, that's your homework, okay? And these verses aren't very difficult, but they're powerful for this season. They're things that we hide in our heart of what Christ has done for us. So uh, take that time during the week. Um, find a spot, choose a time, put it on your calendar, and make it happen. Spend that time with God. Um, if you don't put it on your calendar and you don't make it happen, do you know what's going to happen? It's not going to happen. Like, that's just the reality of our life, right? Life is busy. Things come up. You know, whatever is the squeaky wheel is what gets our attention and, um, or whatever we're intentional about. It's the things that we're intentional about that actually create the trajectory of our life. It's those small decisions in the right direction equal great habits that change our lives. And so that's what we're trying to give you, a tool and something to put a habit of spending that time with God in prayer, in His Word, hiding it in your heart, and let Him continue to work. So, so use those guides. Uh, tomorrow morning, if you're more of the digital person, um, by tomorrow morning, I will have the digital version on our website and on the app. So that's just mynewhope.tv, actually forward slash Easter. It's a part of our Easter page. Um, and, uh, and so you can use it online if you <clears throat> prefer to do that as well, starting tomorrow. Um, you know, have, have you ever had a lot of like things happen in your life and you didn't quite know why they were happening? You know, it's kind of like you just were confused by what is the deal and what is, why is this situation going on or why is this issue going on in my life? And, and when you get to the other side of it and you turn and you look back at it, what's that called? Hindsight. And we, there's this phrase, hindsight is... 2020. What does that mean? It means that, well, done now it makes sense, right? It's like, it's us looking back and it's a, it's a perfect vision of what we didn't know what we were going through or why. And, um, and we're going to jump into the book of Luke in a moment where the disciples were experiencing just that. See, later on, we, they understood things that they didn't understand while they were walking with Jesus. So, so like all through the book of Luke, we see the gospel, the good news of what Jesus was bringing. He was preaching the new kingdom. The kingdom of God is here, and it's coming. And, and he had these 12 disciples following him that he chose to walk with him, and they were doing the ministry alongside Jesus. And then he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit and says, now you go do the things I'm doing, and you go heal people, and you cast out demons, and you preach the kingdom of heaven that's coming. And they're like, whoa, and all of a sudden a new power has shown up with them as they start to minister. And so these disciples were experiencing everything that Jesus wanted him to 
them to experience, to prepare them for what was about to happen. And we're going to get there in the book of Acts, right? He's preparing them, but the whole time he's telling them, guys, I'm not going to be with you forever. He kept telling it to them, and it's like, for some, it just pew, went right over their heads. And, and, and they were confused by what he was talking about when he was saying this stuff, like, ah, you know, the temple's going to fall, it's going to be rebuilt in three days, and the church, and they're like, what are, we don't know what you're talking about. And he makes them a promise, like, no, 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 I have to leave. And they're like, don't leave us. Wherever you're going, we want to go. And he's like, you, well, you can't go with me right now, you know. But don't worry, my father's preparing a place for you in heaven. And trust me, it's full of many, many rooms, and I'm going to come back and take you with me. He gives them this promise, but still it's like, pew, they just don't get it. They don't understand what he's saying. And so you read all through the Gospels, and you read their interaction, and it's such a—it's it's so cool. I don't know if—have any of you seen the TV show The Chosen? No. If you have not seen it, I would encourage you to uh, search up The Chosen. It's a free app. You can watch it. And it's, it's the story of Jesus choosing the disciples and their story together and walking. And just brings this, like, different reality in an artistic way to understand what Jesus is doing. And it, it's, it's really cool if you haven't seen it. You'll just have a Kleenex box. You're going to cry, just so you know. Because Jesus looks at everybody. And when the moment he looks at somebody, it just impacts you. Because the reality is that Jesus is looking at you. Jesus looks at me. And when he called the disciples, he was looking at each one of them. And these guys were knuckleheads. Like these are just like fishermen and tax collectors. And sin- like th- these were just normal guys. These weren't the priests who were leading and preaching. He picked regular people for him to then have them start the church. And it's interesting because you look at the Old Testament, that was still God's story with the whole Old Testament. He took the unlikely to do the miraculous to show off the power of God, and he still does it today. Amen? Amen. And so he can use you, he can use me, he, he uses all of us. And that's what being a part of the church body, that's all of us together experiencing those things. And so they're getting to this moment of, of we're going to get into in, in chapter 22, where th- the last few days of Jesus' life on this earth were coming. And they still didn't quite understand. And, and later on, they could look back in hindsight and be like, oh, that's what he meant. But in the moment, they were still confused because they were about to celebrate this thing called Passover. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Passover. Uh, you've, you've probably heard this in, in, the, in the scriptures and even the history uh, classes as the Last Supper, right? This is the, the last uh, Passover meal that Jesus had on this earth with his disciples. And so, uh, and so we're just going to dig right into it. Luke 22, and we're going to read verses 1 through 23, okay? And we're going to see what's happening in the story here um, <clears throat> as we get to, as we caught up to the end of, of Christ's story. Um, not his story, actually, but at the, en- the end of his living days um, on this planet before the crucifixion. Praise God, three days later, something better happened. I can't wait for Easter. Easter is Super Bowl Sunday for us at church, isn't it? Easter for us is, it's the big celebration. It's when the game was over and the winner had finished. And, uh, and that's what we're, we're heading towards there, okay? So, sorry, we're getting ahead of the game. Luke 22, verse 1. Now the festival on unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. You see, this tension was happening. 
Jesus is already healing people and doing miraculous things, and all the, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these religious leaders were threatened by this new message of this, this kingdom of heaven. And so they were threatened by the messenger, Jesus himself. They're like, who is he? And so they were looking for a way to get rid of him, to arrest him, to kill him, right? And all through, you'll see, uh, if you read the whole book of Luke, these moments where Jesus all of a sudden had to disappear. <laughs> he had to like, whoop, my time hasn't come. They're not going to arrest me yet. He had to disappear. But at this moment, it's different. So here they are. They're looking for Jesus. They want to arrest him. They want to get rid of him. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. So one of the disciples Jesus called. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. You see the, the, the plot thickens in this moment, right? So Judas Iscariot, <clears throat> one of Je- he's, he's seen all the things all the other disciples have seen. He, he, he watched the miraculous. He was the money keeper. Satan enters into Judas. This was all prophesied. And Jesus knew what was happening, right? He was not surprised by what the enemy was trying to accomplish. <clears throat> Let's keep reading. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now we're going to stop there and let me teach, Okay. Because for us to understand what's happening in the scene we're about to read, for us to understand the words that are going to come out of Jesus' mouth, for us today, the new covenants here, we live under Christ, amen. Like, woo! They weren't there yet. See, in Jewish history, they celebrated this thing called Passover. And for them, it was a great reminder. It was a celebration of what God had done for them as a people, as Israelites, to free them from the Egyptian slavery that they were experiencing under Pharaoh. And so they would take these moments and they would, um, they would have a meal together. But before this meal happened, they actually had to sacrifice a lamb, the Passover lamb. It's like, why did they have to do that? It's not because they just wanted like pork chops, y'all, okay? Like there was something deeper going on in this scene. So, so this is what was happening. This goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. It goes back to the hundreds of years that the Israelites were enslaved. They were a slave nation under Pharaoh and under the Egyptian nation. And they grew in numbers and numbers and numbers to a couple million people, a couple million slaves under this powerful nation of Egypt. You see all the things that were built in Egypt. We see all these, like, the wonders of the world were built on the backs of the slaves of these Israelites. And so they were slave labor. And, and if you don't know the story, Moses, Big Mo, got called out by God and said, you need to go set my people free. You, you got to go get them and take them out. Go to Pharaoh, talk to him, say, hey, uh, Lord, he, his name is I am, like, because he just is. That's who God is. He just is, all right? And so God is saying, all his people, they need to exit stage left, right? And Pharaoh said, okay, sure. No, right? If you know the story, his heart was hard towards God. Because the God Almighty was not Pharaoh's God. He had his own gods. And actually, as Pharaoh, he believed he was God. Because he ruled all. He was large and in charge. 
And then he was threatened because I can't let two million of my slave workers go. What is our economy going to be like? What is our country going to look like? And so, do you know what happened next? These things called the plagues. God sent plagues to wake Pharaoh up. But Pharaoh didn't wake up. Plague after plague after plague. Locusts, frogs, river blood. He's like, nope, not big enough deal for me. And it led to a moment that became the Passover. Because the last one, the last plague, was a plague where the angel of death was going to come on the land. And every firstborn was going to be killed in all of Egypt. And God told Moses to tell the people, if they belong to the house, to my house, if they are Israelites, tell them to go sacrifice a lamb. And when they sacrifice that lamb, they're going to take the blood from that lamb and they're going to put it on the doorpost of their home. Now, for us right now, if I said, go home and do that, you'd be like, what, huh? And I don't know what they were thinking too, right? Of, okay, he told us to do this thing. I mean, they've already seen all these miraculous things. They're wondering who is this God that's saying he is our God. If our God can do that and he's telling them to do this, we just better do it. And so they did. And they took the blood from that sacrificed lamb and they put it on their doorpost. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about like hindsight is twenty twenty. He was preparing for what Jesus was going to do ultimately for us. Because that blood was put at the top of the doorframe and then on either side of that doorframe. And that night they were said, stay in your homes. And when the angel of death comes, it will pass over you anyone he sees the blood on the door. But anyone who did not have it, the firstborn, would die. That night, that's exactly what happened. And Pharaoh finally broke. And he said, get these people out of here. Whoever this God is, get them out of here, right? And then God used Moses as the front man to lead them out of that land of slavery. And so out of that land of slavery, they get to the Red Sea. You've seen the movie? God splits the Red Sea. They walk across millions of people on dry land to the other side. And as soon as Pharaoh realizes what is about to happen and his whole kingdom is about to collapse because the economy is about to collapse and his slave labor is about to disappear, he decides, no, wait a minute, bad decision. Let's go kill them all. Let's go get them. And he sends the armies and the armies, they start on dry land, but they don't end on dry land. They get swallowed by the sea. And God now has freed his people and they walk into the desert. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole story of the desert land, but here's the reality. Even though they were now freed from slavery in Egypt, it doesn't mean their minds were free from slavery in their mind. Meaning God took them out of Egypt, but now he had to get the Egypt out of them and take them on a journey. <clears throat> so we go, and I'm going to explain more of that in a minute. So we go to this moment where Jesus is with his disciples and celebrating what the Jews would have done in Passover, the reminder of God saving their people and freeing them from slavery from Egypt, that God brought them out as a people. And this Passover lamb was the key centerpiece of the whole experience. It was the reminder of the blood that was shed for their freedom from slavery. See all the foreshadowing that was happening? God was setting up what he wanted to do ultimately not just the promise to the Jews, 
but to the Gentiles and all of us, okay? And so, so they're about to celebrate this moment. And Jesus then sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, <coughs> excuse me, say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? <laughs> These are great assumptions. Right? Jesus is like, hey, d- just go find a dude carrying water and let him know we're coming to your house. Where's your guest room, right? Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming that the owner of the house had heard about this teacher and maybe even saw him, right? And he's like, oh, the teacher, the rabbi wants to come to my house. Absolutely. You can come to my house and celebrate Passover. How honored. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. And they left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. It's like Jesus knew what he was doing. So they prepared the Passover. So they did all the things they needed to do. They, they made the bread, the unleavened bread. They, they got the wine and the cups and set the tables. And, and, uh, and then they had the Passover lamb prepared for this moment of this reminder in Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This was a foreordained meeting. Jesus had been doing all that he was doing to prepare for this moment right here. Went over their heads. But Jesus said, no, no, no. This is an important meal. This is not like a normal Passover. For I tell you, and listen to these words carefully, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God the prophecy. I'll explain what that means in a moment. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. They had to have been confused. But at this moment, in this holy moment, they're not going to be like, what are you talking about, Jesus? They're sitting there going, what is he? In remembrance of him? He's right here. We can remember him. He's here. What is he talking about? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Again, they were probably like, did you feel it too much? It spilled on him. Is that what he's talking about? Right? Like, they, I, they, what do you mean poured out for us? Like, what is it? What are you talking about, Jesus? But the hand, and then, then he switches. He says, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. <clears throat> the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. <clears throat> Excuse me. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. So now they're talking about, okay, he's talking about bread and breaking his, his body and then it's blood, he's spilling it. And then he's saying, one of us is going to screw up. Who is it? Who's it going to be? 
And they're like, it's, it's not me. You know, and so they, they start this discussion. Now, <clears throat> I, I want you to understand the importance of the words of Jesus in this Passover meal. Because if, if we miss it, we miss the heart of the gospel. If we miss what Jesus is saying in this moment, that he had so greatly longed to be at this table with his disciples in this moment, saying these things and walking them through this Passover for a very specific reason. But what was it? What was the depth of what was happening specifically at this Passover meal that was different than any other? So so let me explain what, what happened during a Passover meal. Because he's taking a cup and he's taking bread, and we know that part. Because we're living hindsight, hindsight's 2020, and then we see in Corinthians and we're going to celebrate together. This is what the church started doing with communion, right? We take bread, we take a cup, we eat the bread, drink the cup, body, blood, we get it. They didn't get it. And still, I don't even know if all of us as Christ followers fully understand when we take communion what we are partaking in. And as we head towards Easter, the celebration of a resurrection, the power that was exerted by the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of our Holy Savior, before we get there, let's understand what happened in the meal that led to the resurrection, okay? Let's, let's understand, because this Passover meal, what they would do, they would have a full meal, there would be food, and, and at certain points of the meal, they would stop. And in this meal, there wouldn't just be like one cup of wine that they would have and just be like one cup, you know, Salute, you know, whatever. It, wouldn't, well, it wasn't like that. They would have four cups. And during the meal, they would stop at certain points and they would drink from each cup. And each cup that they drank from, they were proclaiming a promise that was given to them as Israelites from God because of the Exodus. And so it was a celebration of the promises of God that they walked through. And each cup, and what we're, this is we're going to walk through, each cup has huge importance, and God's promise is still for us today. God set up from the freedom in that moment in Exodus what our freedom was going to look like that we live in today. This is, oh man, when I first learned this, this is years ago, and I've, and I've taught on this a number of times. We've been here at New Hope before. We've done a couple of series, one called The Four Promises, one called The Four Cups. We've walked through like a whole series of talking about this. So today I'm, I'm condensing that into one message in this book of Luke. See, Jews today still celebrate this. They still celebrate Passover together. They still drink from the four cups. They still do all the traditional things they do during that meal to celebrate these four promises. And these four promises were given over 4,000 years ago to, to God's people out in the middle of the desert that he wanted to free them and take them on a journey. And he was creating a covenant relationship with the Israelites in that, in that moment of history. But now Jesus says in this Passover meal, this is a new covenant. Meaning the original covenant has now become a new covenant. And it's not just for the Israelites. This covenant relationship is now ours with God himself. And so let me explain to you what these four cups are and these promises. So if you have your notes, we'll get to them, okay? We'll have some fill in the blanks. If you guys are like, what's when is he going to fill in the blank? Uh, <clears throat> We'll get there, okay? Because let, let me go back in time here. <coughs> I'm so sorry that my throat is uh, so dry. <clears throat> okay, so let's, go, let's get in the Wayback Machine. And you can do this if you want to, uh, or you can go back and read Exodus chapter 6, okay? 
This is the part of that story where they've been set free from uh, the slavery under Egypt. And so this is what God is telling um, Moses to say to his people. And these are the promises that get celebrated during Passover, okay? So this is what he said to say to them. He said, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Point number one, I am the Lord. There's no other Lord but me. I am that I am. I am your God. There is no other God. He says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. There are these four promises that God made to the Israelites in this whole season. And these four promises, each one is, is actually one of the cups that they drink from during Passover. And I, want, I want to point these words out to you because these are really powerful words, these promises, right? The, the first one is this. He says, Therefore say to them, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So number one is this. The cup that they would drink from is called the cup of sanctification, Okay. The cup of sanctification, or we would use the word salvation. That God said, I will bring you out, right? That, that he is saving them from slavery. He's saving them from Egypt. He's pulling them out. And so when they would go through this whole Passover process, um, he, they would drink from that first cup and they would thank God. Thank God for your salvation. And they would drink from cup number one. That, that God brought them out of slavery. This is for us, this is, this is the term to set apart or to free from sin. That's what it means for us. That God has saved us. He has set us apart from our sin and forgiven us. We have experienced salvation from God. So when Jesus was doing that, and he was sitting with his disciples, they drank from the first cup, and they said, this is the cup of salvation. And the thing is that salvation was right in front of them. Jesus was right in front of them. The one that brought them out and called them as disciples, follow me. He already did it with them. He still does it with us. Jesus fulfills these as a new covenant. <clears throat> and so they would drink from that. Cup of sanctification. We are saved that God brought us out of Egypt. Now, as you read the story of the Israelites, you, you read some things that go, what were they thinking? I mean, unfortunately, they didn't follow God's plan and they came up with their own plan and it caused them to wander for 40 years in the desert, right? They screwed up. And... Um, and it's just sad. That's a sad part of the story because <laughs> they had God right with them. It's like, ah, and Moses didn't get to walk into the promised land, right? It's like, come on. It wasn't until after he passed away and then they could go into the promised land because what happened is, yeah, God freed them from the land of Egypt. He took them out of Egypt, but now he needed to take Egypt out of them because they would, they would, <clears throat> they would uh, talk about Things and moments where they actually longed to go back to Egypt. There were the moments that, that were hard, and they said, well, you know, we're going to die out here. At least in Egypt, we had pots of meat. 
It's like, but did, okay, so you want pots of meat. But you remember the slavery? Like, do you remember that part? Like, but they still thought like slaves. He said, no, no, no. The second promise is I will free you. I'm going to take you out from the land and then I'm going to free you. See, God saves you, but then he frees you. He, he frees you from sin. He takes you on a journey of deliverance, delivering you from the sin that can control you and freeing you to be free from those sins that control you. We talked a little bit about that in the last series, didn't we? That, that he wants to free us to get the Egypt out of you. Even though you're saved, you can still think like a sinner. And you can still doubt salvation. And when you doubt salvation, it's like you're going back to slavery. It's like, but I remember slavery, and there were some things I was comfortable with in slavery. There's still some things in sin that actually like comfort me, but they're dangerous. They're harmful. They separate you in relationship with God and other people. When they would stop and drink from that second cup, they would say, this is the cup of deliverance. He started to take the slavery out of us. He started to free us and deliver us from the mindset of slavery. And for us, the mindset of slavery to sin. We no longer have to walk as slaves to sin. And so Jesus would have taken the second cup and they would have drank in it and say, thank you, God, for your deliverance. Then they get to the third cup. Now here's the interesting part. When they would drink from the third cup, the, the third cup is the, the third promise, okay? And the third promise was this, and I will redeem you, right? He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. To redeem something is this phrase, to restore back to original intent. To redeem something is to take it to where it was supposed to be in the first place. And this redemption was us coming back to, or the Israelites coming back to God and being redeemed, the original intent was he wanted to be with them. He wanted them to have a relationship. He wanted to redeem them from their sin and then from thinking in sin and then to have a relationship with him. God does that for us. He redeems those things that have been stolen and lost and wants to put us back to his original intent, which is a relationship with him right? Now, we see in this passage, we have to look very carefully at, these, at the Last Supper in these passages, because we can see that this was the cup that he changed the story on. It was cup three, because he says, I will not eat or drink from this cup until I do it in the kingdom of heaven, right? And so he didn't drink the last cup. They stopped at cup three in the Passover meal with the disciples. He did that on purpose, <clears throat> because it's in that cup that he stopped and said, now this one, this redemption is the beginning of a new covenant. I, he says, my body and my blood broken and poured out for you will be the redemption of your life to God. He came to redeem us, to put us back so that we could have a relationship with God. And so he instates the new covenant in this moment. All the old law, go back to the book of Galatians, <laughs> all the old rules, all the old Passover rituals, sacrificing lambs over and over and over and over again so that we are clean before God. He says all that is over. 
The old covenant is finished because I'm now putting in the new covenant. In the third cup is the new covenant. I am your redemption. Do you guys hear that? When we are taking communion, we are drinking from the cup of redemption. God redeeming us and making us right before him. Back to the original intent. And this original intent, I I believe, theologically goes back to the garden. God's original intent for us was to walk with him in the garden with no sin, no shame, and perfect relationship with each other and him. That is his original intent, and he's going to bring it back again. when you listen to the words that he says, he makes a promise. He says, I am coming. I'm, I'm going to be redemption. But this, this, last, this is going to be the last cup I drink with you here. We're not going to drink the last cup. See, the last cup that they would drink during Passover is the cup of, and, and the Hebrew word was hallel. It's, it's the root of hallelujah, right? It's, this, it's the cup of praise. It's the cup of fulfillment. It's the cup that says it's finished and we're all together, y'all. And so when they would drink that cup of praise, they were saying, I will make you my own people was the last promise in Exodus 6. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, free you, right? I, I, I'm going to save you. I'm going to free you. I'm going to redeem you. And then I'm going to make you my people. That's the fulfillment of God's dream. That he makes us He's been longing for a people. He longs to be with us, which is mind-boggling. He doesn't need us, but he wants to be with us, and he wants us to be with him. And so when they would drink that fourth cup, it was that completion of like, we are now God's people. We're connected to God's body. We belong. And for the Jews in that moment, that was their cup of, we are his people. Now, if we go back, let me, let me, I'm going to rewind here because we cannot miss these words. Uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Not to put the hand. It's there, the sever. Where is it? For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until what? The kingdom of God comes. See, the cup of fulfillment is the cup at the final banquet. It is after the return of Jesus, when he shows back up to fulfill and complete all that God wants to fulfill and complete. The kingdom of heaven now back on earth and us living with God in perfection like it was in the garden. In the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, we see it's a place, it's called New Jerusalem. It's, it's the new place we spend eternity with God with no more sin, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more, we get mansions. I mean, it's like, it's all, and we get to be in the presence of Christ. There is, the, the sun doesn't need to exist because his glory shines around all of us. Like this imagery in this picture is what he's talking about. The final banquet of the Lamb. He will not drink again until that moment happens. And then we're going to party. Talk about some cup of praise, man. It's going to be the best wine you ever drank in your life. If you drink one, if you don't, you can get used to it. <clears throat> the cup of praise, the cup of hallel, hallelujah, 
because now we will be connected to God forever. See, these four cups and this, what we're talking about in communion, I don't want us to miss what Jesus was setting up before he even went to the cross. We now look hindsight, don't we? Hindsight for us is 2020, and we stop and we do this every month here at New Hope, and we take the communion together as a family. And as we take it, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, it was communion Sunday, and, and that was special. Sometimes it's like, it just, Christ just grabs our hearts in communion and reminds us to the depths of our soul what he's done for us. And today, I'm hoping for you, as we take communion, you'll understand you are drinking from the cup of redemption. That redemption cost was his body, was his blood, broken and shed for you. The disciples were going to get it. <laughs> they will understand it. And as we dig more into the story next week, we'll see the humanity of what was happening in, in this story in Luke 23. But for us here, as I wrap up this time, as we move towards the time of communion, um, first off, I, if you don't know Christ, I mean, if, like, if this is like all new to you, and you're just trying to figure out who God is, you're trying to find a church home, and you're like, we'll just try this one and see. Like, I'm so grateful you did that. I'm grateful that you showed up here or that you're watching online. Um, but if you don't know who this Jesus is, you need to know very, very clearly. Jesus is the only way to eternity with God. Jesus is the only access to a real relationship with God. There's no other way. You will never be good enough. You can't earn it. You can't work your way to God. Like, none of that works. The only way to experience salvation, freedom, and redemption so that you can experience an eternity with him is through the blood and body of Jesus Christ. It is faith. See, faith is a, a, a knowing that you know. And, and when you put your faith that you know that you know Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus did this for you, when you believe that and confess that with your mouth and in your heart, you will be saved, we're told in the book of Romans. And I wouldn't want anything else for you except for that. And so today, before we take communion, if you have not accepted Christ, first, the communion table's not for you, okay? This is for those who have already accepted Christ in their life and now are being reminded of it. If you don't know Christ yet, I would just ask in a moment that you'll just stay seated and that's okay. Nobody judges you. Nobody looks down on you. It is okay, okay? But if you want a relationship and you want it to start today, I would say confess it with your mouth, believe in your heart. This is who God is, this is who Jesus is, and this is what he's done for you. Something has to die to cover the cost of sin. It's either us, but our blood and our body can't pay for it. It's only Christ's, the perfect lamb. And when you see in that imagery that they would sacrifice uh, a lamb and they painted the blood on the top of the door frame and on the sides was the precursor image of Christ. Thorns on his head, blood dripping down, and arms pierced for you. He became the perfect lamb, the perfect Passover lamb. He died during Passover on purpose because he was it. And if you want that relationship, I'm going to pray in a moment, and you can pray. I say there's no magic prayer of the pastor. I can't get you anywhere. 
Only you can pray and believe in your heart. So let's take a moment in prayer, and then we're going to respond in communion. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this reminder. Thank you so much, God, that, that we... Um, that we can understand the promises you've given us, even back to the book of Exodus, how you fulfilled them through your son, Jesus Christ, for all of us, and now we all have access to the kingdom of heaven. Anybody in this room, God, that needs a relationship with you and that you're calling them to you, just lead them, God, by the power of your spirit. If that's you, you can pray, and you can, you can earnestly, by faith, you can say these things and, and make it your own prayer. But if you want to start that, you just say this. Say, God, I believe Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross for me and he paid for my sin. Please forgive me now and forever. Please free me from this bondage to sin that I have in my life. Please redeem me. I want to be yours now and lead me, God, into your life for eternity forever. Fill me with your spirit. I want to be yours Give me a peace that only comes from you and help me walk with you starting today. And I just ask this in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. 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 For those of you who